Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Closet Champion Podcast. I am your host, the reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcasts, Mike Mueller. On this abbreviated episode of the Closet Champion, I'm going to be running down my predictions for the Backlash pay-per-view happening this Sunday, and that's it. We're going to be nice and easy, clean and simple, get out of here in a hurry, let's waste no time and get right into it on this edition of the Closet Champion Podcast. Yes, Backlash is this Sunday at 7 p.m. You can get it on pay-per-view or on the WWE Network. I gotta say, in years past, I haven't been super excited about a lot of the Backlash um, pay-per-views that have happened. They're usually just kind of used as a rehashing of some unfinished WrestleMania business. And overall, looking back on it, there's a few great matches in Backlash history. But overall, I would not say that this is one of the more memorable um, pay-per-views that's been in WWE's arsenal, at least over the last 10 years. But I'm really excited for this one. There's a lot of matches happening that have piqued my interest, a lot of things that aren't extremely clear-cut to me, and I'm really curious to see where they go. Let's jump right into it. The first match that I've got that I want to talk about is uh, Sheamus and Jeff Hardy. I've got Sheamus winning this match, and I've got him winning for a couple reasons. One, I don't think he's going to win clean. I think there's going to be shenanigans involved. Uh, Two, he's been taking a lot of losses, and we need to remember that Sheamus is a legitimate bad guy and a legitimate threat. Like I said, I really want him to feud with Braun um, before The Fiend gets to Braun, and in order to make that happen, I think we need to build Sheamus up a little more, and a win against Jeff Hardy here is perfect. He's already put Hardy over twice. It's not going to hurt him, Um, but what this also is going to do, and I hope it does, is along with spinning off a feud for Sheamus uh, going forward with Braun Strowman, I think it can be used to spin a feud between Jeff Hardy and the real driver of the vehicle that night, uh, which I believe is Sami Zayn. I can't take credit for this being an original thought. I saw it somewhere on the internet, but uh, someone mentioned, you know, the red hair and the red beard and Sami's former Intercontinental Champion. It was taken away from him because he couldn't be around because uh, he was prioritizing his health. I'm sure that's going to be a wonderful angle when he comes back. But um, for the time being, I think this is a perfect segue to get away from... Uh, Hardy and Sheamus, um, even though they had a great moment on SmackDown. I won't talk about it here because I'm going to talk about it on uh, the Monday State of Wrestling uh, update. But it's a great moment, and I'm very, very excited about this match. But I think this is time for Sheamus to win and, um, like I said, win with a little bit of shenanigans going on. That way we can easily transition Jeff Hardy into another meaningful feud, which is all Jeff Hardy should be doing, by the way. I don't want Jeff Hardy near any title. 
Um, he does. He's beyond having titles at this point in his career. I think he just needs to tell great stories and help get some young guys over. Not even get them over. He doesn't have to do the job for everybody, but just bring eyes on new talent and give some people a, a new person to work with that they haven't seen before. Uh, so hopefully he'll be doing that for Sami Zayn very shortly. But um, overall, I think this is Sheamus's time to get a win and remind people that he is a very dangerous human being. Next on my list of matches to go over, um, I'm not going to spend very much time on this. Braun Strowman's beaten the Miz and Morrison. Um, it's going to hopefully be quick, hopefully be dominating. Um, I don't really want to feel like Braun is in danger because, like I said, we're building him up as this monster. We're eventually building him toward a Fiend um, title match. And I think it's important for anybody facing The Fiend, especially if you're going to beat The Fiend, um, that you have to look as strong as humanly possible beforehand because The Fiend can break you down psychologically. So I, this is a two-on-one handicap match. Uh, Miz and Morrison, they're, they're deeply entrenched as a duo. Um, I don't see this being used as a vehicle to you know spark animosity between them. This should just be to get Braun more over as a big dominating monster champion. We'll get some funny moments because all three of them are pretty damn funny, both in their real lives and as their characters. And it's going to make it more believable that Braun can take on The Fiend when he faces him at SummerSlam or wherever it eventually ends up being. But um, the, there's never been co-champions at the very top of the card. Again, I could be wrong on that if someone wants to double fact check me. You know, there's been co-champions for other titles but never at the top of the card, and I don't expect that trend to be starting this Sunday. Uh, next, we go on to uh, the Raw side of things, a few matches to talk about. We've got the Raw Women's Championship. I think Asuka needs to win this. Um, she's facing Nia Jax. Uh, she just got the title. She didn't even, like I said in a previous podcast, uh, she didn't even really win the title per se. She won the briefcase, and we found out it was the title. So I think that this would be... a an important spot to make Asuka look really legitimate and really strong because we're not sure who she's going to drop the title to. They're building toward Asuka versus Charlotte. And to be honest, I would like to see Charlotte go over on that just so Asuka can come and get her revenge and beat Charlotte maybe like the next month or two. Um, but in order to build to that and for it to be something that people are interested in, uh, we need to establish that Asuka is not just this sort of funny heel that you know uh spews japanese and does crazy dance moves and stuff but she's actually a very very dangerous woman and uh since she's come up from nxt i think we've sort of forgotten that about asuka this is a great opportunity for her to win win big um nia Jax, you know with a, another <laughs> botch injury under her belt I really don't see them putting the title on her. Um, but what they can do is use her to, to make Asuka look really big and strong. And I think that that's what we're going to see here. I want to see a ton of offense from Asuka. It, obviously, it's not going to be a squash match, and it shouldn't be a squash match. Uh, we should feel for at least for a moment and go, holy shit, Nia Jax might actually do this. Um, but at the end of the day, we need Asuka to come out looking like a hero here. And it's going to further solidify her, her face turn, which has already pretty much been solidified. But just take it a little bit further and have her beat you know the big bad monster that is Nia Jax um the marquee match I guess for this pay-per-view is Randy Orton and Edge in the greatest wrestling match ever I've already given my opinion on this and I'm sticking with it they don't uh, 
it looks like they might just go out and try to actually put on the greatest wrestling match ever, but I'm still holding out hope, and I still believe that the best um, storyline approach to this, if you're done with the feud, have Edge win quickly. Have him catch a spear on Orton in like 30 seconds and get the victory if we're going to have Edge and Randy Orton go do other things. If this is not the last Edge and Randy Orton match, which I don't believe it is, I'd like to see Randy Orton get the win here, again, in a super quick fashion, RKO out of nowhere, 30 seconds into the match, boom, beat him, because then what I'm thinking is we're going to get a final blow-off match. We had the uh, the last man standing match, and we had the greatest wrestling match ever, and if we have one more match, given how quickly Randy Orton got this win, I think it's going to be an Iron Man match, and I'm actually looking forward to that. Both these guys are sort of in the twilight of their career. Um, Edge is having this resurgence, so you know he hasn't taken bumps for the last 10 years the way Randy Orton has. But either way, both these guys have been around for a long time, and I think a lot of people would not think they could put on a great Iron Man match. And I think they could, even if it's only a 30-minute match. It doesn't have to be a 60-minute Iron Man match, but something where they can go for a long time and get a lot of pins. But you can't have that match be billed as the greatest match of all time. That's just, it's it's too dangerous and it's too stupid. So I'm expecting a squash, a quick win. Um, Randy Orton hits an RKO, Edge goes down, uh, the audience is in shock, and we move forward at least for another month and continue this story because I still want more of it. I, I haven't had my fill. They're putting on great promos. They're doing good stuff. Why end it? You know what I mean? If it ain't broke. Um, but I did want to say about this match, can we talk about how WWE is using the word wrestling so aggressively and relentlessly? Um, this is, you know, Vince McMahon always says it's not wrestling, it's sports entertainment. And obviously you know, the second W still stands for wrestling, but they really go out of their way to not use the word wrestling or refer to the guys as wrestlers. They're sports entertainers, and this is what they do. This is their art form. This is their craft. We tried to really hard to not say wrestling in the WWE, and now not only are we saying it, we're putting it on the poster. So I don't know if this is... Um, sort of the WWE's response to organizations like AEW and uh, New Japan and other organizations that really embrace the terminology wrestling and um, really incorporate that a lot. I don't know if this is intentional on their part or, like I said, if it's just to set up a giant swerve. I hope it is. If this was all just to set up a giant swerve and it's a 30-second match, I'm going to be so happy. Um, but we'll see where it goes. But either way, interesting to see um, WWE use wrestling uh, so often. Uh, another thing happening on the Raw side of things, I've got uh, Apollo Crews and Andrade. This is another one that it feels like this is going to end with chicanery. I think Apollo is going to win, beat Andrade for the ninth time or whatever it is. I think it's actually like the, the fourth or fifth time, but it's still a lot of times. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a clean win. There's two stories that are going on here kind of simultaneously, and I'm wondering if they're going to totally overlap each other or just sort of overlap. Um, Andrade and Angel Garza are on the verge of an explosion, and Zelina seems to be pissed off with both of them. Um, unless they do some weird thing where Angel and Andrade wake up and realize they're better off without Zelina and leave her, um, I think you're going to have very clearly one of the males turn on the other and Zelina go with them. 
I'm seeing it as Andrade being the one to get turned on and and doing a face turn in that moment. Um, I don't know how well that's going to work. Um, he doesn't speak great English and um, ask Umberto Carrillo how it is to be a baby face on Raw and not be able to speak English. You see what kind of pushes you get. Not to say that Umberto Carrillo and Andrade are on the same level of wrestling. They're not. Andrade is way better. But it's still... I'm afraid. I'm very afraid for Andrade right now. This is not the direction I saw 2020 going for him, um, and it's not looking great. It's great news for Apollo, but the other interesting thing that's happening going on is I still keep thinking back about that, for lack of a better term, cheap shot that Apollo got on Kevin Owens during their match when Kevin Owens was distracted by the ref. It wasn't like a low blow or anything like that, but it definitely, you know, he he took a sucker punch on a guy that wasn't fully, you know, invested in the match. And that's not a baby face thing to do, especially against another baby face. If the heel had been going at you all match, and then this is your moment of revenge, that's one thing. But these were two guys who were having a clean face versus face match. And that move happens. And that's not something that I've been able to get out of my head. I see an Apollo heel turn happening. And if they want, they can do a double turn, have Apollo join up with Zelina and Angel Garza, turn on Andrade and go from that route. I don't know for sure if that's what's going to happen. It seems like it might be all a little bit too much at once. But um, either way, I think Apollo is going to get the victory here either by turning heel or Andrade being betrayed by Angel Garza and Zelina. Something's going to happen. We're we're branching off in a new direction after this match. And I'm super, super excited to see where they go. I'm nervous as I'll get out, but I'm excited. Um... Another match that's happening, um, probably going to close the show, is Drew versus Bobby Lashley. They are trying, I guess, um, to make us believe that Lashley is a legitimate threat. I think the full Nelson is fucking stupid. Um, I, it's not... It's I, Okay, Chris Masters had the master lock in the mid-2000s. And then before that, I think it was like... Hercules in 1987 who was the last person that had like a full Nelson as a legitimate finishing move it's just not impressive and it's not something that Drew McIntyre the guy who just beat Brock Lesnar at Wrestlemania is going to lose to a full Nelson headlock I don't think so man this is going to be another big win for Drew Um, again I'm still looking for that first big feud that Drew's going to have um you know, he he got through Rollins, he got through Brock, he got through Rollins, uh, got through Big Show. Looks like he's going to be going through Lashley, but it's kind of like get through them and go on to the next. So I'm really curious to see where where this train is going to kind of stop and where we're going to see a multiple month long storyline going. I don't see that happening now. They put MVP with Bobby Lashley to give him a little bit more, I guess. Um, credibility. I still don't think it's enough. I do fully expect MVP to do a uh, play of the day move, which if you're not familiar with that, go check it out. It's a very simple move, um, but it was one of his, it was his biggest move for a long time. And it's a perfect spot. I think he's going to hit it, but it's not going to be enough. Drew retains. Um, And the last match that is being advertised is the one that I am surprisingly having a a lot of difficulty with it's the women's triple threat match for the titles um bailey and sasha versus the iconics versus alexa bliss and nikki cross um bailey and sasha just got the titles and generally when a team first 
gets the titles. You don't want to take it directly off of them right away um, unless you're building towards something else. And I can't help but thinking that we're staring down the barrel of uh, SummerSlam. We're two months away from SummerSlam. We need to give Bayley a really legitimate feud. When I'm looking at the SmackDown women's roster right now, obviously Charlotte is do- is going to be doing her thing with Asuka, so we can pretty much just relegate Charlotte to Raw. When I'm looking at the SmackDown women's roster, I'm struggling to find a face on the roster right now that is going to be a real threat, a real legitimate threat to Bayley's title run, which has been going on for a long time, by the way. Um, she dropped it to Charlotte for like a month, um, but more or less she's had two runs um, that have stretched well over a year now in time. So we need to see someone. And I mean, Mandy Rose, she's doing her thing with Otis and Tucker. I like where she's at right now. I think they should keep doing that. Um Lacey Evans just took a big loss. Natalia, I'm not seeing a lot of faces on SmackDown. Naomi, they've done nothing with. She could be. Naomi could be. They could build her quickly because she has the credentials and she has the resume. But I see it happening still where there's going to be a turn and it's going to be Bailey versus Sasha at SummerSlam. I think that's your marquee match. I think that's your big blow-off match. Um, something needs to happen soon. So for that reason, I'm struggling with this match because this does seem to me like a perfect time to take the titles off of um, Bailey and Sasha and do it in a way that doesn't really hurt either of them because you're using it as fuel for their one-on-one feud. You can use it to get over a team like the Iconics, who are former tag team champions, and um, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, also former tag team champions. So any one of them, it's very legitimate that they would win. The caveat to all of this is that whoever wins is going to NXT to fight Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart. Um, For that reason, I am taking out Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I don't think they really have a chance in this match. They they just had a run with the titles. That's kind of over Um, them, you know, if female tag team face versus face match doesn't have much interest in me especially because there's there's no story leading up to it we're gonna have no tv time to tell this story uh so we're gonna have to do something quick something that's gonna naturally have a lot of heat um and both the iconics and uh bailey and sasha banks have huge huge histories in nxt but when you look at the importance of the women's division and the significance of what Sasha Banks and Bayley contributed to it, especially at the NXT level, I think you have to have Sasha and Bayley retain here um, so you can have this great match on uh, NXT and a welcoming back for Sasha and Bayley. It's not in front of a live crowd. It's still just you know the Performance Center people, the rookies. So that takes a little bit away from it. Um, my official prediction is Sasha and Bailey, but I will I will say I would not be surprised in the slightest if the Iconics get the win here. Um, I'm actually going to be kicking myself because I have a, a gross feeling that uh, they're good, they're going to pull it off. But um, just logically, with the return to NXT and what they meant to the brand, I feel like they're going to let the uh, Sasha and 
Bailey hold on to the tag titles just a little bit longer. So they're going to get the win on Backlash, but I'm thinking they're going to drop it um, probably pretty quick. Maybe even on Wednesday. That would actually be really exciting. So that is my official prediction. I'm going to run back through these one more time just so I've got it in a nice, clean, concise order. I've got Sheamus winning with some shenanigans, hopefully from Sami Zayn. I've got Braun Strowman beating The Miz and Morrison. I've got Asuka retaining over Nia Jax. I've got Randy Orton winning in a very quick match against Edge. Uh, I've got Apollo Crews holding on to the United States title over Andrade. Again, hopefully we'll see a heel or face or both turn in that match. I've got Drew McIntyre beating Bobby Lashley, and I've got Bailey and Sasha retaining the women's tag team titles. And I do want to say one more thing about this uh, event. I, With only seven matches being announced, there's a couple other things that have been brewing that they could turn into a match. You could have Otis versus Dolph again or some kind of tag match with that. Um, Cesaro and Nakamura just beat the New Day, so they could throw that on as a tag title um, random match. Uh, there was one other one that I wanted to say that. Oh, um, Seth Rollins and Aleister Black. But again, I think that that would have a lot more build up to it. So given that we only have seven matches to work with, I really hope WWE keeps this whole thing to a tight two minute, two hours and 30 minute, uh, time mark. It's pretty much what they did for, um, NXT in your house it was even a little shorter than that, I think. But I really liked it, um, without having the live audience, with having to put all these matches on in a row, um, I think it's the right thing to do to keep these things short, keep them tight, keep them concise. And also, 7 o'clock start time on a Sunday, uh, you know, go until 10 o'clock at least at night. You're getting into people's bedtimes. I think if you can keep it nice and tight, have it end around 9, 9.30, everyone's going to benefit from it. Everyone. So those are my predictions. Uh, if you listen to this before Backlash, let me know what you think. Uh, if you listen to this after Backlash, go ahead and make fun of me for everything I got wrong. Uh, as always, reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter at Closet Champ. I'm going to be dropping my next State of Wrestling podcast on Monday, and I'm also in the works right now uh, having talks, trying to get a uh, another uh, deep dive on a wrestler coming in. I put a post on Facebook a while ago asking who you guys thought I should do a deep dive on. I got a ton of great responses. Um, One of those people is who I'm going to be covering, but until I can get a date set in stone, I'm not going to give any details on that. But, you know, just follow me at uh, Closet Champ on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll find out there first. Until next time, everybody, enjoy the pay-per-view. Stay safe. Be good. I am your reigning, rarely defending, highly disputed champion of wrestling podcast, Mike Mueller. I'm going to take the count-out loss and get out of here with my belt. Good night, everybody.